Hi, everybody, and welcome to Behind the Wing, the 315th Airlift Wing's official podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Wayne Caps, along with my co-host, Master Sergeant Bobby Pilch. Good afternoon, Lieutenant Colonel, and that is a brand new oak leaf cluster so congratulations on the promotion sir Uh, the last time you guys heard me it was major so if you hear me call myself major it is what it is yes yes sir well very very excited for you and glad to see that uh, that promotion thank you so much so behind the wing has been on hiatus for a little bit of time but we're back and we're going to keep this thing going at least monthly right now so just to give everybody we've had some pretty good followers on our podcast for quite a while and it kind of fell to the wayside mainly because of budget and time constraints that it took to put this together and we had a really busy summer and funds just wasn't uh, it, it wasn't there like it n- normally has been so we've right we've, and we also had a couple new folks join us too so we had some training going on which is our primary focus making sure new folks are spun up on doing what they need to be doing so yes sir excited to be back doing this yeah absolutely we've been been on the road a little bit this summer and at the late summer into fall is happening this 90 degree fall i guess beautiful beautiful charleston fall weather nothing like 90 degrees in september october so behind the wing for our new folks who are listening let's let's give a little overview about behind the wing behind the wing is the official podcast of the 315th airlift wing the air force reserve wing at joint base charleston but it's not just for wing members i want everybody out there to understand what the Air Force Reserve at Charleston is doing. So if you're an aviation buff, you're an aviation enthusiast, we're here for you. So we want you to know what's going on, what our folks are doing. Sometimes we get in a little bit in the weeds, and we're going to do that a little bit later when our command chief comes in. We get a little in the weeds, but that's okay because we talk about 315th business as a whole. But I want everybody to know this is not just for wing members and Air Force members. If you like aviation, you like folks who serve their country, give us a listen. I think there's something for everybody. Exactly, sir. And also, too, it's our four veterans out there, uh, former members of the 315th and and our locals. We have amazing local support here, and we uh, will touch a little bit on a civic leader flight we did earlier in the year. But yes, so this this podcast is open for all audiences. So we've had the questions, where have you guys been? So I'm going to tell you exactly where we've been. So, So we've been all over the world, and I remember earlier this summer, you remember when the Venezuelan humanitarian crisis kicked off? Yes, sir. Well, the 315th was front and center. Actually, I was called up into the boss's office, and and I left that afternoon. So that was about 730 in the morning when I heard that we were going into Colombia, just a mile and a half from the Venezuelan border to deliver C-17s loaded full of humanitarian supplies. So we were all over the news, and ladies and gentlemen, that was us. That was the 315th down there, and our crews were busting their hump, making sure all of this humanitarian aid got to Colombia so that when we could truck it into Venezuela, we could actually get it there. And the good news, I think, out of the five or six C-17s full of humanitarian aid that went into Colombia. The Venezuelans burned two tractor and trailers full of the aid, but about one C-17 carried around three tractor and trailer full of full of food and supplies. So even though they got some, most of the equipment and aid that we supplied got to the people in need. So that's that's fabulous to hear. No, that's fantastic news, sir. And uh, the humanitarian aid missions are nothing new to us. We do many, many throughout the year. And for us to be able to do this was a huge, huge honor and a, and a huge win for the folks down there. Exactly. And I actually talked to the president and vice president of Columbia about this same 
topic. So when we went down, I was lucky enough to be kind of the crew liaison and the president, vice president, and their version of the secretary of state met our air crew and he said he wanted to personally meet and shake every member of the American crew's hand and thank them for what they were doing. So I was extremely excited to help be the liaison with the crew and the crew did such a fantastic job. We had air crew members from the 315th and we had our partners with the 437th who were helping out some. So it was a a really nice joint effort to go down there and when the president of Columbia shook my hand and he whispered in my ear, you guys are changing the world today and you don't even know it. And you know that brings perspective back into what you're doing thinking Sometimes we get caught up into we're just dropping stuff off and taking off and and doing our job. But sometimes what our folks are doing, it makes a difference. Exactly. You know, for those of us that are what we call TRs, traditional reservists, uh, we get called upon on the weekends to cover missions like this. And we'll leave on a Friday and we go back to our civilian jobs on a Monday like nothing ever happened. But sometimes we get caught up in that minutia of, well, it's just another mission. And sometimes it, it slips the mind that, wow, we really are impacting hundreds of thousands of lives around the world over a weekend. And if you want more information, just Google C-17 Venezuela. Let me tell you, we were on every news outlet in Central and South America. It it was just really good to see our crews and that C-17 with the Charleston tail flash doing the good things that they were doing. Indeed, yes, sir. Switching gears from our humanitarian aid for just a minute, we're talking about the things that we've done this summer and what the 315th has been up to. One thing we got to do is go to the Royal International Air Tattoo, the largest military air show in the world. It was in Fairford, England. It was a pretty amazing event. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, sir. I think we saw north of 225,000 people over the course of the three-day air show. So, sir, we got to shake a lot of hands. A lot of kissing babies, a lot of shaking hands. Definitely, definitely. And a lot of, a lot of folks walking through the jet and we were so well received. The, the folks over there are amazing and probably some of the most enthusiastic aircraft. Uh, how would I? They are some aviation buffs in yes. England like none other than we've ever seen around the world. But the cool thing for me is air shows used to be a part of our culture. We used to do air shows all the time all over the world. Times, times are different. Our, our budget's tighter. And the amount of real-world training that we have to do, the real-world training and the real-world missions that we have to do are just a lot higher than they used to be. So for us to do an air show and to tack on a training requirement, we don't get to do it as much anymore. So to get to do the largest in the world, largest military air show in the world, it's a pretty cool event. So to have 250,000 people visit your aircraft gets a little exhausting, wouldn't you say? It definitely does. We uh, drank a lot of bottled water and, and put a lot of miles on the feet there. But I think it, another thing that was pretty cool was the fact that it was a chance for our crew to network and meet with a lot of our partner partner nations from around the globe and, uh, and see some other aircraft and, and, and things that we don't really get to see on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely, and, and perfect transition because we're going to talk about some of the partnerships that we've had with, with other nations. And our aeromedical evacuation has a partnership with the, the British RAF aeromedical evacuation folks at Bryce Norton in England and we did a training mission with them and I loved hearing the stories about how our aeromedical folks and their aeromedical folks worked together on this C-17. They came together 
and it's amazing to see everything kind of come together even though we're from different nations and different different specialties and aircraft it's just everything just seems to flow like we've been together forever <laughs> that it does and you know i think it's a good opportunity for our air medical crews and their crews to formulate best practices and share ideas and things like that which again out out in the field and downrange they they work side by side and that's why we do training that's why we do training is because it helps us get ready for whatever happens and that was a perfect example of a real world situation when things happen we don't care if they're brits if they're americans if they're if they're whatever if they need help we're going to help them we're going to bring them home safely and that's what they trained to do i thought it was pretty amazing indeed definitely so so we talked about the royal international air 2 and our partnerships overseas the last thing i want to touch on about where we've been this summer <laughs> Hurricane Dorian. Oh, she was a nasty lady. She Um, was, she was. But she missed us, sort of. We evacuated. I think my house lost power for a good two or three days. I lost a fridge full of food. But if that's all that happens, I'll take it. Yeah, I think I had some leaves down in the yard. So uh, I spent the weekend raking, raking the yard. But we did have to evacuate the, the base, and so our jets had to, had to take off. So it caused a little bit of disruption in our normal day-to-day, but uh, yeah, I, nothing, nothing too, too major. Absolutely. And we do humanitarian all over the world, and people, right away, people were saying, we need to send C-17s from uh, Joint Base Charleston to the Bahamas to get them humanitarian aid. Well, guys, we didn't have planes. <laughs> so yeah, they, so that's, <laughs> that, that's one of the issues that we had to deal with. Yeah, one of the sites you seldom see in Charleston is a empty flight line, and it was completely empty for several days. Yeah, somebody posted on our Facebook page, we posted a picture of, of our flight line. Somebody said, hey, is that Citadel Mall parking lot empty? <laughs> no, we just had to get out of town for a few days, but quickly we, everyone, uh, all the crews flew back and the jets came home and uh, it was uh, back to normal operations in, in quick fashion. Yeah, but other bases took up the slack where we weren't able to directly impact the humanitarian aid mission going to the Bahamas. So so good on those people. But when it's when it's as close as it is to us, we're, we're not one of those folks that's going to jump in if we have to recover our jets as well. Right, right. And coming back, transitioning to the pulse of the wing. I want to find out what's going on right now in the wing and what we can look forward to. We've talked about what you guys missed this summer, but let's talk about what's going on right now. So the biggest thing on people's mind right now is lodging here in Charleston. Yes, Lieutenant Colonel. uh, There is a new initiative by leadership that is going to be coming down the pipe very soon here where E-Form Below will be lodging together. And there's actually a, a big picture, big mission and focus behind that initiative. Absolutely. So when I first heard it, I thought, wow, this is a money-saving measure. We'll see how that goes. And, and for, for you folks that don't know that aren't part of the wing, we have folks from all over the southeast who actually work here at Joint Base Charleston in the 315th Airlift Wing. Uh, and when we do our regular drill, our regular unit training assembly, as we call it, uh, you know, your weekend drill, folks come in from out of town. And we put them up in, on base at hotels and around town, wherever we can get them. We've got a new policy. We're, we're going to start bunking up. And uh, I thought it was about finances. And the, the, the boss was quick to tell me it was not about finances. It boils down to one thing, taking care of our folks. Now, the age demographic from, from 18 to 21 is the highest suicide demographic in the United States. So 
we all know that military suicides is an issue. And this is an opportunity for everybody to have what we call a wingman or what we used to call a battle buddy. This is, this is an opportunity for folks to, to not be separated in that highest suicide demographic, not to be separated after busting their hump, putting their civilian jobs and their family on hold to come and be a reservist for the weekend because things can get stressful. So to put them in a hotel by themselves, no, not knowing what's going on in their lives can be a little different. And, you know, I was talking to the boss. He said, we can't afford to do nothing. And, and this is an initiative to actually look out for our folks. So I, I think it's a good thing. Exactly, sir. I, I, I would definitely agree. You know, when you travel away from home and you come here for your UTA uh, and you're alone in that hotel room, 18 to 21, uh, it, it can be kind of lonely. And it's nice to be able to have somebody from your squadron unit with you, maybe someone that you're close to. And that's the other thing, I believe, is they're able to choose who they who they room with and they're going to be paired up with like members of their squadron. Yeah, well, not to get in the weeds of it, but everybody, or, or they're going to have the opportunity to be with folks from their own unit they're going to get a chance to choose who they're with. So, but I think the overall program is going to be good for our folks and about it's about looking looking out for people. So, I think that'll be a good thing. All right, and some more upcoming events are wing change of command. We're getting new 315th leadership. That's always a big deal. Colonel Greg Gilmore has been here for a long time and he's coming to the end of his career. We're going to say a fond farewell to Colonel Gilmore and we're going to welcome our new commander Colonel Adam Willis. He is the wing commander at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base right now. So Colonel Willis is coming down. We're excited to have him down here and we'll make sure we put him on the Behind the Wing podcast as soon as he's able to to get involved and get checked in a little bit and gets his head wrapped around the wing. Exactly. Once he drops the luggage and puts his uh, puts his artwork in the office, we'll get him in here. Uh, there's another leadership change as well, sir. I believe it's happening today. It's the 38th Aeroport Squadron, and the outgoing commander will be Lieutenant Colonel Jason Snyder, and the incoming is Major Calvin Coker. And so we wish both those gentlemen a congratulations and a fond farewell. Absolutely. That's a uh, being a squadron commander. They say it's one of the most rewarding jobs in the Air Force, so congratulations to both of those gentlemen. Uh, they've got one heck of a squadron that one is leaving and one is taking over. Indeed, indeed. So, Bobby, we've got an exciting guest coming up, coming in the studio here in just a minute. Chief Master Sergeant J.P. Burke, the Command Chief of the 315th Airlift Wing, He's excited about being part of the podcast, and to be honest with you, the whole format of this podcast is very informal, and we told all the commanders, we don't want any leadership on <laughs> our podcast, and everybody says, oh, we want to we, we want to come on and talk, but we don't want the commanders and the senior folks part of this podcast because our normal guests are the airmen, and we want the airmen in the trenches who are out there knuckle-busting and busting their hump every day. Those are the guests we like to feature on the wing. But every now and then, we've got a good reason to bring somebody in. And the chief was so excited about wanting to be a part of the podcast. And he wanted to talk about some initiatives that he has coming up and about talking with the airmen. What better way to get a pulse of the wing than to interview our command chief. 
Joining me right now is Chief Master Sergeant J.P. Burke, our command chief. Chief, what's going on? Oh, it's a great uh, UTA. Thanks for letting me come out here and uh, enjoy the podcast. First time I've done this. This is a new and exciting and a little different, but looking forward to it. And you know, you're actually the first member of senior leadership in our wing that's participated in the podcast because we normally don't really want that, but we want the perspective from the airmen, but we feel like having you on this time is actually going to give us the perspective of the airmen and the pulse of the wing, especially since we haven't been able to do this podcast in, in several months. So we're kind of getting back on that horse and talking about all things 315th. Well, I hope I don't let them down. <laughs> well, we do too, Chief. Actually, so let's talk about, we got a change in leadership. We talked about it just a few minutes ago. We've got a change in leadership coming for the 315th Airlift Wing. Historically, that kind of puts people, makes them a little nervous. You know, the culture kind of changes. Give us your thoughts and perspective on that. Well, again, just kind of natural. Some people, change is bad. They fear change. But this is something that just goes along with military organizations throughout time. Leaders come, leaders go through different ways. This goes along with that. Our new commander, really excited to be able to work with him. I've worked with him previously through the NAF, and I'm really excited to be able to see what he brings into the fight. I think you're going to find that he is much more like Colonel Gilmore than not, but there'll be some differences, but really excited. But I I think we're going to see kind of the same, same things here, so... Good, good. Well, I want to talk to you a minute about an organization here with the wing called the Rising Six. Since you've been here, you've you've been putting a big emphasis on the Rising Six. It's a organization consisting of E1 through E6 that meets every month. Give me your perspective on that. Why is that organization so important and where do you see them going in the future? Thank you for that. Uh, so, Mark Barber did a great job really trying to move force development forward. That's our forward. former command chief, by the way, in case, in case, Sorry case about no, that. Yes. No, non-wing members yes. are out there listening. Yep, but. so Chief my Sergeant Retired, Mark Barber, previous command chief, really set in motion some great enlisted force development for the wing, creating the top three, and really got that moving forward. And one of the things he and I talked about was really putting in charge for me of getting the rising six to the level that the top three is at right now. So that's really my one of my big pet projects is the support of the rising six. Why do I think that's important? E5, E6 is probably one of the most important pay grades in the United States Air Force, period. They are the first line supervisors for our airmen. They link in our airmen to the mission, but they link what their concerns to squadron and group and wing leadership. They are where the rubber meets the road. What's best way is that organization to take future airmen and existing NCOs and getting them ready and all the tools needed to do that job. That is my job is to empower them and to help them out to succeed. If they succeed, the wing succeeds. Nice. Well, I remember back a long time ago when I was an airman, I actually was part of the Rising Six. They called it the Bottom Six back then. And we hated that name worse than anything in the world. So so I'm so glad it's now the Rising Six. It is the Rising Six. Good, because they are. And that was that was back in the day. That was one of our biggest complaints. Somebody started that and called us the Bottom Six. And we, we hated it. Well, no. I was saying that if there is an organization that has my full focus it is that one not to say the other ones don't but that is where the bulk of my efforts are going right now because it affects the largest demographic within the wing and really getting them moving forward 
Well, not only that, I think it nurtures upcoming leaders for the Air Force and the Air Force Reserve. And I think that's just so important because you and I were both there back a long time ago. If somebody would Not too long ago. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It's a little longer than that, Chief. <laughs> and if somebody wouldn't have taken us under their wing, uh, there's no telling where we would be right now. And I think for me, it was Master Sergeant Lou Argus, my old crusty first sergeant at the time. And if Sergeant Argus wouldn't have taken me under his wing, I know I wouldn't be an officer right now. And I, I'll be honest, I probably wouldn't still be in the Air Force. So I think that mentorship and guidance in those programs are just extremely important. Absolutely. That's kind of what we're doing here is that the Air Force as a whole, and we're not immune to it here in the 315th, there's, there's a culture that we're having to get back to. And changing culture is one of the most difficult things you can do. You've got a lot of us that have been around for a while, I'm not going to say how long, but for a while, that remember back in the day having burger burns and wing softball tournaments and you brought your family, and it wasn't forced fun. You wanted to do this. Squadron commanders wanted to wing that traveling trophy because that's a thing of pride. But we've gotten kind of away from that for whatever reasons. So we're trying to get back to to that. We care about our people and, and having those connections and going from there. And part of it is, hey, I'm not just talking the talk. I'm walking the walk. I'm helping out the airmen. And the best way to do it right now is through the Rising Six and why you want to be part of a professional organization. And then that arms you with data to take to your work centers and help your work centers out. Okay, Chief, I'm going to switch gears on you here in just a minute. Earlier in the podcast, we actually talked about, you call it a buzzword, call it what you want. You know, sometimes people in the Air Force call it resiliency or whatever you want to call it. It's about taking care of your folks. And we were talking about an initiative earlier in the podcast about uh, E4 and below rooming together. Yes. And, you know, the suicide rates are sky high in the military right now. And talk about this from a wing perspective and, and your thoughts and the commander's thoughts on why we're doing these initiatives and where you see us going in the future. Sure. So the first thing I want to say is that this is not a money issue. I'll repeat that. It is not a money issue. If you take a look at the demographic and what our budgeting item is for lodging, we're not saving a whole lot of money. I'd be lying to say that we're not going to – we're saving some money. We obviously are, but sure. that's not it. It's about people. This is just one aspect of a lot of things the wing's trying to get after to help culture and people and connections. So one of the things we're looking at is that demographic within the wing, those that commute in, E4 and below, of rooming together. That's just one part of this. Very quickly, starting hopefully in the January UTA, we're going to put entire squadrons together in the same hotel. So your first sergeants, your, your traveling folks that are from squadron leadership, they're all together to be able to see their members, not just at work, but able to see them in a more relaxed environment at their hotel to be able to go out and do things. Things like trying to go communicate through the top three, the first sergeant's council, the rising six, the great things you guys are doing, setting up my chief's corner. It's all about connection to our airmen and getting after the things that they need. And I think that's such an important thing. If I was a commuter and I love the cultural shift that we're, that we're trying to take our wing and especially the commuters who come in here, and I think organizational cohesion is so important because if you can do it here at home station when you have to do it somewhere in the war zone, you've got that built-in mechanism. So I think that's extremely important. One of the things I want to add to this is that this is not just the wing leadership trying to force something onto the wing. 
the airmen that we're trying to, to really work with here have got to be equal participants in this. Sure. And I've said this a couple of times that remember back in the day when we were all kids opening up Christmas presents and we got the Christmas present from your grandma. You're really excited because grandma <laughs> always spoils you. And you open it up, it's a pair of underwear. And you're like, really, grandma? What's going on? I really wanted that Xbox. And she's like, well, I would have got it for you if you'd have told me you wanted an Xbox. But everyone needs underwear, and that's what I got. Well, here's what's going on is that doing nothing isn't an option. We have to do something. So we are trying everything we can, what we can think of. But you have a lot of folks like myself that came up from times with burger burns and softball tournaments and things like that. And we're trying to think of those things and help out our airmen. But it's a different culture. It's a different generation. It is. It is. So through the chief's corner, through other things, the airmen have got to have a voice to reply back to wing leadership. If this is not working, tell us what is. Because if not, we're going to give you a bunch of underwear. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, at, at my age, I'm pretty happy with a new pair of underwear every now and then, <laughs> Chief. <laughs> and you brought me up to you brought me to my, my last topic. I want to talk about something that you just started called the Chief's Corner. It's, a, it's an idea that you had. Tell me how this came about and explain exactly what this is. Just the bottom line is it is an extension of my open door policy. But what it's not is a sidestep of the chain of command. But we're all reservists, and I love to get around to the different squadrons and ambush the leadership in there. Like, surprise, I'm sure, here. Absolutely. But I want to talk to the airmen. I want to know what's going on. And a lot of feedback I got was, Chief, we love that you come around. We love that you want to talk to us, and, and you really do try to affect change in our organization, but I have to work my schedule when you just happen to come by and we're all reservists. So how do I go about doing that? So when we were at AFA, I had a couple of chiefs and a first sergeant with me and I was like, hey guys. And that's the Air Force. AFA is Air Force Association. There we go. And uh, AFA is a, their national convention every September. It is probably the premier force development, force mentorship conference. I highly just anyone, if you have a chance to go, go but when we were there i took some chiefs with me first sergeant with me and we're at dinner and i was like guys i have a problem here's the problem set it's access to me and getting information to me and first sergeant from the oss uh, sergeant robinson's like hey wing app why don't you put something there i was like that's genius and immediately got on that it's now live anyone with the wing app anywhere in the world with wi-fi can send an email directly to me and only to me to action on Exactly. So bottom line for folks that want to contact the chief, it's real easy. Just log on to our 315th smartphone app and he's right there under chief's corner. And it, any message you want to send directly to our wing leadership goes through the chief. We'll go right there and I promise you will get a response fairly quickly. I've already had two today. Nice. For nice. This. I'd love to so hear. So be, is, be careful right. what you ask for, chief, because you might just <laughs> no, get abs- it. I am. Absolutely. Welcome to our world. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, Chief, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know he's headed over to the Rising Six right now. Thanks so much for being part of Behind the Wing, and we're happy to have you on as a guest. Anytime. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. That was a great perspective from the Chief, and uh, very exciting to have him in here in the studio with us uh, and driving home a lot of important information. Absolutely, and I love talking to guys like that who are so passionate about what they do. It's just a, it, it, it's a good refresher to let you know that there, there's folks out there who, let me tell you, they really care about what they do. 
He definitely does. The chief uh, has a plan, has a mission, and he's sticking to it. And he is getting out there and talking to and visiting with the airmen, which is great to see. Absolutely. So the most important thing, behind the wing is back, guys. We are back. <laughs> uh, we're excited about having the 315th Airlift Wings podcast back. We're going to be back next month for you guys. So we're going to have some fun things ahead. We're going to get uh, Michael Dukes back in here. Uh, on our news, and we're going to do some segment from from some of the airmen. We're going to talk to airmen who are in the trenches doing some cool things. Look for that uh, next month. We're excited about it. So until then, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Wayne Caps. I'm your host for Behind the Wing, here with my co-host, Master Sergeant Bobby Pilch. And we will see you all next time right here on the 315th Airlift Wing's official podcast, Behind the Wing. Yeah, you flubbed it. Okay, yeah. Oh, I gotta make sure they're Lieutenant Colonel on this thing. Exactly. I gotta make sure I call you Lieutenant Colonel. I just about busted up the major. Because I want to sound upbeat and radio ish. I'm gonna say something. Say something. Something. <laughs> something. Something nice. Something professional. <laughs> Let's just start this whole segment over. You wanna stop it, Justin? Like, to break it up? Oh, why is the door? Hold on one second.